Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. We are uh, we're, we're we're doing some house cleaning today. We're doing a lot of questions and answers to our best ability. To our best ability, we've been doing a lot of shows over the last uh, couple of months now. If time matters to anybody, it's been a couple of months, and uh, we haven't done a Q&A show in a long time, so we've, we've cataloged questions, and our dear Discord mom has been helping us to get more questions and sort of clean clean house, and we're going to take them all on today and see what we come up with. That's right. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you change your life for the better, if you've ever found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, thanks to something that we've said, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee we continue to grow the show, add new features, invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more, one of the features of the community is access to our Discord online members community, which is an amazing place to get support, to give support, to feel like you're giving back to your own community by helping others in need. And also the Brain Playground, which was a trip down memory lane this weekend, thanks to our very own Discord mom in the community who just dominated the Brain Playground with history and uh, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful contributions. The pictures and the tchotchkes and pets and mustache pictures. I mean, I just, I, it, it was a treat every single time I turned on the community this weekend. So thank you very much, for Melissa, for owning the Brain Playground. And, and can I just say, I am so thankful for the accountability groups. Yeah. <laughs> because I've been popping in there a lot lately because it's really been helping focus it, it with my focus and just getting things done in a timely matter, not procrastinating and waiting till the last minute. I'm sure nobody here listening understands no, that. That's fine. Uh, but 
<laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm just really appreciative of all of the people, um, including myself, who, who puts them on. Um, Discord mom puts them on a lot. Ellie in Discord puts them on a lot. I do Thursday afternoons. Um, it's just such a, it, it's such a benefit to just know that somebody's out there to, to possibly work with. So I just say thank you, ladies and gentlemen who join that and who start those up because it's really, really helpful. I, I do want to add a new uh, feature, thanks to Discord and their constant development. Um, if, if you Usually the accountability groups are handled through Zoom and somebody who has a Zoom account will post a, a Discord link in the accountability channel and it will... And, and people can jump in and join that and it's free. There's no cost to do it. Um, and it's all on video, right? So your camera is on and that's right. It's the fishbowl. You're working. You don't have to have your video on, but you, but most people do. And, um, and so you're kind of helping each other and Nikki, if Nikki's running it or if Melissa's running it, they run the timer for, uh, uh Pomodoro. Well, uh, Discord has released video in voice channels in Discord. Mm -hmm. So you'll notice there are a whole bunch of text channels in our in our Discord, but there are also voice channels. They have a little speaker next to them. Now, you can click on the, one of those channels to join the voice channel and turn on video for up to 25 people simultaneously. So if you don't have a Discord or a Zoom account, you can actually use the new video features in right in Discord and turn on a video accountability session um, if, if instant session anytime you want. So awesome. we'll, we'll have them all kind of going at the same time, but I, it just, it, it removes one more limitation uh, for folks who, for, yeah. yeah, who if you don't want to sign up for a Zoom account and feel like you can't join the accountability groups, it's built right into Discord. So if you are in Discord, we encourage you to use that. So uh, there is an accountability instant session in the, in the if you're a deluxe uh, member of the community and, and uh, I have added the impromptu meeting place for the Supreme members of the community. And uh, I, I don't know if you uh, want to have, you know, we, we can put accountability groups anywhere we want. So um, right. ho hopefully folks will make use of that. We'd love to see some names floating around those accountability groups uh, going forward. So there you go. Thank you again. Check it out at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. We are honored by your participation. All right, Nikki. Q&A. Q&A. But before we start with the questions, I have a success story that I want to share. And I want to, if I was on a mountain, I would scream. Yay. Um, yay. And <laughs> how proud I am of this uh, young lady. So I, I work with, um, I work with adults with ADHD, but I also work with college students with ADHD. And this gal is a PhD student. She just completed her first year. Yay. Yay. She's got four more to go. <laughs> uh, because of COVID, she had to move um, from where her college is, her university, to Florida. She had to uh, live by herself and her dog, her family dog. And she had to do this for weeks, right? right? Because we were in quarantine. And you, we all know that when you're isolated, especially by yourself, it can be very challenging. Um, but she continued to work on her school, her research, and excelled. And she had two very cool recommendations come at the end of this year. Um, the first one was she got Student of the Year for the GEO Club. 
And uh, what it said is that, uh, well, I should say she was recommended. I'm not sure if she got it, but she should get it. I'm saying she got it. You know, from my my <laughs> eyes, she's student of the year. Uh, <laughs> what, what the reasons were, she was uh, instrumental in keeping the grad student uh, slack up to date and full of resources for keeping people motivated and on task. She was a great mental health advocate in the department, a wonderful and supportive friend. In response to COVID-19, she created a Slack channel uh, for grad students and postdocs to stay in touch and maintain a sense of camaraderie. Uh, Through this forum, she helped organize volunteer activities, celebrations, virtual social events, and study halls. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> right? So that was one of the things that she was able to do is get uh, um, people that she's going to school with, you know, other fellow students to work in these study halls together so they could, you know, push each other and motivate each other, inspire each other. And then after this, she was also nominated to be one of the three presidents of the club for next year. And she is taking that position on. So Uh, very proud of her. And uh, she's a great example of uh, thriving. Uh, And and let me get you, you know, I don't want to get anybody comparison trap, right? Because she has struggled. um, And this has not been easy, but it is such a success. And I'm so proud of her. And um, I just think she's an inspiration for people who are having a difficult time that you just keep working, you keep trying, you set up the systems that you need to, to help you. And uh, you can get through that first year of PhD doctorate school. (laughs) I love it. So anyway, I wanted to start with that. Yeah. What a great way to start. Uh, Okay. Let's dig into our first question, and I, I want to make sure that this is a question we we wanted to take on. The question was, uh, I'd suggest modifying the planning and routines when nothing is routine question to ensure that it's not too corona-specific. Sp- At least to me, this is a problem in all situations when I don't have external sources of routine and structures, vacations, holidays, etc. I think I understand that question. I think so too. And I, and uh, what I said is, is I just wanted to make sure I knew what they were talking about. And, and uh, you clarified that. And so did Melissa, um, that it was just really the title that just making sure that it wasn't specific to just COVID. But I, I agree. I don't think it is just specific to that um, experience. And I would say that anything that was tagged under COVID under our library could be relevant to anything, right? You've got a high stressful situation that you're dealing with. We have shows about that on, yes, how to deal with COVID, but you can always transfer that context or that context into something else, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and be able to use those tools. So, um, but yes, I agree. It's certainly relevant to a lot of people at any time. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that it's it's important to remember that there are going to be few things in the whole series that are so unique to COVID and our experience that uh, um, that it, it should at some point be obvious that this is not a, a day-to-day thing. Although we're going to talk about later, there's a lot we don't know about what's coming down the road. So who knows what's going to be relevant right. or not. I, I think the real trick is, um, you know, 
it's hard to plan and adapt when you're not your own best hall monitor, right? When you don't have yeah. uh, work and external schedules to influence your day, how do you do it by yourself? And uh, my response to that is, yes, it is really hard. And we should uh, absolutely, all of us, continue to work on our muscles of adaptation and flexibility to, to you know, make sure that we can we can continue to thrive. Which goes into our next Question. Yeah, right. What can we do to plan for a return to, quote, normal life when that finally happens? For me, that's going to be just as hard, if not harder, than it was adjusting to suddenly being at home. Well, what I have to say about that is, first of all, I read this and I had to, like, actually process and think about it before I put my response, because this is a tough question. I'm not sure that you can plan, which, as we have talked about before, that drives me crazy, Mm -hmm. personally, Um, because we don't know what that normal is going to look like. Um, Life as we, you know, knew it back in the beginning of the year. I don't know when we're going to look like that again. I think that we're kind of lucky in the sense that we are um, kind of we're opening up again, uh, but in phases. So, you know, it's a it's it's a little bit like, okay, phase one, how do I adjust to this phase two? What do I what am I comfortable with? Um, So I think at at this point right now, because we don't know what fall and winter is going to look like for me anyway, personally, I'm just sort of taking it day by day um, and kind of seeing, you know, what is today about, right? And what can I do today? Um, that transition is is difficult um, for everyone. And I just hope that, that uh, you know, we take care of ourselves. We take care of our mental health. We're, we're um, doing what we can do to handle that uncertainty and adjustments because we just, we just don't know. It's such a hard question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, this is a hard wall to climb because I I deeply do not believe that we will return to normal. I think this is normal. What we have now is going to be normal uh, for not weeks or months, but years going forward. And I think that is what we are planning for. We're planning for growing a new set of muscles around uh, uh, being able to adapt to whatever comes in, in ahead, right? We, we just don't know. Yeah. It's a wall of fog. I, I interviewed a the knowledge management uh, guy behind a massive law firm, New York-based law firm. Uh, it's about a mile from New York, from the World Trade Center Um uh, location. Uh, he has been there for 25 years. And so he's been through um, Sandy and 9-11 and now COVID and, you know, Katrina in uh, the Gulf Coast. And I mean, his, he's got 25,000 attorneys working in locations around the world. And his job is to make sure that they can all communicate with one another. And he said that, you know, when asked a very similar question, he said, just plan to not be there. Wherever there is, you have to plan so that you can do anything you need to do anywhere in the world you might be whenever you need to do it. For his firm, right, that's that's like having the right information when you need it. But what do you, right, you and me and all of us need to put into place so that we are as adaptable 
wherever we are for whatever the world throws at us. We are going to go back into self-isolation and quarantine again by all rights. We will not all do it at the same time. That adds uh, another layer of complication to what is happening in the world, because we won't all, in fact, be in it together. There will be isolated pockets around the world of people who are having to dealing with hotspots and having to isolate mm-hmm. and and protect one another. So, you know, what what do you need to do to develop the adaptation skill to be able to survive and thrive right. and take care of yourself and take care of others. Uh, and, and so this is, a, this is a whole new thing that, that we have right. to figure out how to do. So I, I am, I don't, I, I honestly, I, I don't mean this as like a downer kind of conversation, but I really believe that we will have a chance to develop a tank of optimism as soon as we give up trying to return to January and start planning for whatever comes next in June, July, August, September, because there, this is just, the world has changed on us and the world constantly changes. And this one just happened fast. Um, and, and we well, can do it. Well, it did. And, and I hope, too, that uh, it did. I mean, if you think about it, it happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Within a week, we, you know, we were shut down and governors were shutting schools down very quickly and all of this stuff happened so fast. And so I hope that when you look at just even the transition piece, we kind of know what to expect, mm-hmm. right? We've kind of seen the worst. Well, I don't know if we've seen the worst, but we saw the worst back in March of of what can happen here. And, uh, you know, I think there has to just be a little bit of um, confidence, too, that, you know, you have gone through it before. You're going to be able to get through it again, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And, and, um, and not to assume that our worst is the same as everybody's worst. Rural communities are being decimated right now. Hospitals right, are right. overrun. Even as big cities like New York are seeing their curve come down, we have to be aware of that. And if you're just reading, you know, your local community news, I know here we're doing, uh, you know, relatively OK. It's it is terrible yeah. for those who are going through it. But but we haven't been hit by what many of our our small rural, you know, small towns are being destroyed by right now in terms of, of cases well, overrunning you, resources. So we can't assume yeah. that our experience is generalized. And that is, goes way, that goes miles toward being able to adapt to as soon as you can start well, and empathizing. You just have to, you, yes, right. Because you have to think about if you talk to a family who lost a family member who lost two family members, who've lost coworkers, whatever it is, they're going to have a very different yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah. I think that's that. I don't know that that necessarily gets to the the nut of the question. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it will go toward feeling like you're able to be flexible as soon as you this this whole new normal thing it's it's just this is life (laughs) this is life you you'll be able to get through it whatever it is you're going to be able to get through it just won't like look like before well and you're not alone so all of the feelings that you're feeling other there you're going to find somebody that feels those too we're we're not i mean i really believe too we're not dealing with this alone we are all dealing with it and it's all new and it's all uncharted territory. Yep. Next question. The ADHD mind, at least my mind, tends to think in extremes. 
Over the coming months, we will be asked to partially work from home, go out to restaurants where tables are spaced apart, or or to travel for family work events. What are some ways we can help ourselves be flexible as the world asks us to tiptoe back into a partially open world? So a lot of what we just said, right? But I have to say my first uh, sentence when I wrote my notes on this is patience, kindness, an open mind, and an open heart. Please, please be nice to the service workers and to the people around you. Um, Like we said, we are all going through this together. This is uncharted territory for everyone. Everyone has a story and no one really knows what someone else is going through. So we are all, I think, all being called to be flexible right now and to care for one another. So be a good example to other people. If the grocery store line is long, I know it sucks, but if you don't want to be in that line, then just leave and go a different time. But don't get mad at the workers. Don't get mad at the people that are in front of you. Just be kind to each other. I know, I mean, I know that sounds maybe, I don't know, world peace. Pollyanna. But I, I just think it's so important yeah. that we smile at each other and we're just going into this with patience and, and, uh, and kindness. I, I, I will say, I uh, beware of your eyes because, you know, I mean, I'm wearing a mask everywhere when I go outside. And uh, it, it strikes me that eyes tell a lot. And even when I'm normally smiling to people, I'm generally not smiling enough to make my eyes do anything, you know, of note Different. over the mask. And so I have to really be aware to say hello in a kind tone and a kind voice to make sure that I'm communicating, you know, what my face would normally be communicating. That means a lot. The other thing I find people mad about, especially when they're in a grocery store, like the reports that I'm hearing is people were so irate. They take it out on the service workers. They take it out on the, the cashiers, whatever. What they're really taking it out on is the fact that the grocery store was not designed when grocery stores were designed to be amenable to a, a COVID universe. Right. And yeah. so that's what you're really mad about, right? Like, let's just figure out what it is that we're really upset about and, and channel that kind of in, into maybe a more productive, less antagonistic experience. Because it's hard. It's hard not to feel strongly when you go out into the world right now. Whether you're feeling exuberance, uh, like the kids in the beaches, the families in the beaches this weekend, or if you're feeling fear, it's hard not to feel those extremes, especially for, I, I agree, that ADHD mind feels extremes. And, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Next question. It would be great to talk about exercising during the pandemic. Nikki Kinzer, for a lot of people, <laughs> not just ADHDers, used to rely on workout partners or gym classes to stay in shape. Also, a lot of us don't have equipment at home, which is why we went to the gym or joined a sports club in the first place. What have folks done to adapt to exercising from home? What are some common struggles? Also, what successes have people had in recreating the social component of exercising? Okay, so. Right now, in phase one or phase two, I don't know what it is, depending on where you live, there is good news that if you are comfortable, some of these gyms and sports clubs are opening back up. If you're not comfortable, then you're going to need to get creative. And a lot of people have gotten creative uh, in the last few weeks. So if you even just do a simple Google search, you're going to find several exercise classes that you can do on video. Your cable or streaming service probably has um, lots of different things on demand that you can watch. Um, so this doesn't 
take the, the, it doesn't really help the social piece, but it does help you getting, you know, some of that exercise inside of your home. But simply just going outside and walking can make a big difference. Meet a friend, practice social distancing, but you can still walk or jog or um, have a workout in the park. I know I worked with a trainer when this first started happening, and he said that what he's doing is he's just moving his clients to the park. So they're still social distancing, but they're outside, which is safer. And then he can, um, you know, direct their workouts that way. There are lots of things you can do without workout equipment. I mean, you just get some a mat and some weights and you're, you know, you can be good to go. Um, and many of the parks, uh, you know, are open right now, especially if you're looking at like that type of social distancing thing. Hiking is another option, um, that I know a lot of people did. Uh, I have a, a great little couple that I work with. Um, I say little, they're not little, uh, <laughs> but they're, they're older and they're just so sweet. And they do their 10 o'clock Zoom class every day at 10 o'clock. And it's the same class that they did in the gym. Mm-hmm. So the the instructor just gets on Zoom and they are in their living rooms and they're doing the Zoom class, which is nice because you get the exercise, but you still get the social piece as much as you can. Right, right. Which is good. Um, so I would say, you know, even if you have a workout partner too, set up a Zoom meeting with the partner sure. and get creative. You know, you guys can bounce each other or bounce ideas off of each other. Um, all kinds of things. I mean, I think you just have to be kind of creative and uh, maybe find one person that you can buddy up with and and uh, see what you can do. I, my sister-in-law, actually, she was she's a, a personal trainer and, and fitness coach. She leads a bunch of classes and she moved all of her stuff on Zoom. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you can actually from anywhere. My, my uh, wife and son just got out of our garage. They go into the garage and they set up an iPad and they watch the class on Zoom and they uh, do uh, the whole class in the garage. And I, I think that's that is an adaptation, right? That's a thing that right. they can do together. Um, and, you know, I'll post the link. She does it for everybody, right? She's got a library yeah. of these courses, and and uh, that's really exciting. I think uh, order a set. You say you don't have any equipment. Totally get that. Order a set of resistance bands. They're cheap. Get them on mm-hmm. Amazon, and they're easy. Get the they're ones with the, the door attachment. You can do it anywhere. Um, and with a little bit of you know YouTube foo, you can find exactly the the uh, workout that's going to work for you. Explore body weight exercises. Right, body. We totally Absolutely. underestimate the power of body weight exercise uh, routines and yoga and those kinds of things. Basic, for, yeah. like, ba- like what is it, base camp, or is it base camp? What are those trainings? Like push-ups yeah. and pull-ups and sit-ups. I mean, right, all right. of those basic exercises that you can do on your side, you know, right. with your just your body. Squats, yeah. push-ups, pull-ups. I mean, if you could do those, yeah. those three, uh, it's hard right. if you don't have the the pull-up bar, but you can get one of those too. They're not expensive uh, Amazon orders and um, find a doorway put up a bar, put, put up your up. resistance bands, yeah. and you can do a lot to keep yourself in shape. Um, and, you know, my daughter, she's, you know, she's no longer a senior in high school, weird. Uh, but she sets up a, a two o'clock exercise session with a couple of her swim team uh friends uh, and they do it on FaceTime every day in the garage and then they you know they'll all go out for a run at the same time and then come back and check in and uh, and do a team 
call. So, I mean, there, my daughter was doing that too. Yeah. I mean, it's really valuable. For me, if you put me in a social situation with somebody else, that's that's a recipe for me to stop exercising completely. I don't care for it. Well, it's funny because I see what you say here. You said, I have never liked the social aspect of exercise. And I have to tell you, I'm right there with you. Like, I don't know if I would really be chitty, chatty, exercising with uh, you know, with a group of people I don't know yeah. anyway. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess everybody's different. Well, in my but... family, I'm the isolated person. Like everybody else loves mm-hmm. the social aspect and I can't stand it. So I, yeah. I'm one of those people that I am I am much more conservative when it comes to going back to the gym. I yeah, feel like, I am too. you know, my my experiences and in reading the some of the research, it is that, uh, you know, those places that, you know, huffing and puffing and heavy breathing and sweating and all of that stuff, uh, you know, I'm I, I I await to see what, you know, what kinds of accommodations they put into place um, for for making those kinds of facilities work in a post-COVID world. Yeah, I, you know, it being that anyway, in our, in our part of the country, it's starting to get spring um, yep. or it's starting to get to be summer and nicer weather. And if you can just move those things outside, outside like some of the classes, yeah. I mean, gosh, then I would do it in a heartbeat because you're outside and it's nice. And yeah, but yeah, I worry about that too. But everybody has their own comfort zone. So we're not here to judge. What are good strategies for separating work? From personal time. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So this has been a question that I have actually had to deal with a lot with my current clients um, over the last few few uh, months because of working from home. A um, couple suggestions that I have, if possible, have a dedicated room for just working and preferably have one with a door. So when you're in that space, you work, you associate it with working. And then once you leave, you can, you know, close that door. And now you've trans, you know, transitioned to home. Um, however, I still think that it's, it's worth having a little bit of time to transition. So even if you can take a walk or just go outside and take a few deep breaths before you come back in, I'm almost like pretend like you're coming back into the house, mm-hmm. like, you know, coming from work, um, have that buffer time, whatever you need to, to, uh, and use it like as, as a commute, like what you would do during, uh, your regular commute, but, um, give yourself that time to settle from, from one role to the other. Um, so that's one thing is just really kind of separating where you work. If you don't have a place for, um, in your home that has a, has a door, um, even if it's a corner or something that you can just sort of associate with work and maybe stay in the same place. I don't know. I say that, but now I say it and I think, well, that's boring. You might want to move around. Yeah, right. That that's the biggest trouble that I have when I'm when I'm dealing with this. Yeah. And you know, for me there's there's the time and then there's the place constraints, right? And the, right, the time constraints, right. like I really am a kind of a routine guy, but I, I am fine being flexible as long as I'm gating my time, right? So if if I am uh you know, doing something at seven in the morning, then I just really have to be conscientious about taking lunch and then taking breaks and then ending the day at four, four thirty. If I'm doing something at four in the afternoon, then I have to start my day a little bit later because I know I'm going to be working into the evening. Like I try to really be aware of my, uh, my time and I do it all 
zealously on my calendar. It is just, you know, minute to minute booked because I have to do that. That's just the way my brain works. The thing that I suffer with the most is having too few places to go work. Um, Right. To the point where, you know, I'll get in the car and go drive to a parking lot and sit and work for a little while if I just have to write something or or, or do an edit or something. Because usually I go to a coffee shop. I go down, you know, down the hill. I go go sit someplace with a cup of coffee and I actually get some work done. So that has been a real struggle for for my day to day. Well, I think you make a really good point, though, around the time. I think it is being... um, being really intentional with how you're using your time during during the the day, protecting your boundaries. That you're so good at gating your time, um, Pete. You're you know I hope that 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 people see that um, that doing that helps with this the the whole. It helps with separating work from personal time when you have those boundaries set mm-hmm. and you're able to really you know follow through with them. Um, you and I have been doing this for such a long time. I forget. I was talking to a, a friend of mine over the weekend who is just now working from home. You know, yes. for the first time, and uh, some of the things that she was struggling with. I'm like, well. I don't struggle with that, you know, because we have been doing it for so long that there is a definite way of kind of figuring out how to do it without spending so much time at work. And it's interesting because like I was even saying, when I go to work, I don't think about the dishes. I don't think about the laundry being done. I know you do some things in between to break it, but I don't. I completely block it out. And I just, I'm at work. And then when I'm not working, I shut the door, I turn all the lights off and I'm not at work. So I've just trained myself to really, you know, think of it that way. It's hard though, when you are just now put in a situation that you're not used to and that's working from home. So, well, and and I want to kind of bundle in the next question, which is is there a good structure for taking breaks during the day? I am a big believer of breaks for the ADHD mind and for the non-ADHD mind, but I think it's amazing um how beneficial they really are when you do them. Like, (laughs) but it's so easy not to. So I think um, it's something that people have to play with. Uh, One of the comments that I got from study hall, because we do the 25 minute, five minute break, I had a comment and she was saying, I can't believe how helpful those breaks really were. Like I never really associated productivity with having a break. Yeah. And and I think it's the opposite of what we're so used to. We think we have to work, 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 work to be the most productive, but to pull back is hard. So I think that one of the places I would start is the Pomodoro method, the 25 you know minutes of focused work, take a five minute break, just get up, stretch, whatever. Um, maybe for you, it's better to do to do work for 45 minutes with a 15 minute break um, or 10 minutes with a five minute break. I don't know. You gotta, you have to figure this out for yourself, but make a game out of it and see, you know, what works best for you. I think it's always a good time to take a break whenever you're feeling distracted. Um, and I know that, and I'm not talking about just normal, like every day or like normal distractions, but like when it's so bad, like you can't concentrate. It's so hard to focus because you're thinking about this or the buzzing, you know, is really annoying you and that's all you can concentrate on. It's time to take a break. 
right? So when you really can't get anything done, take a break. And so many people don't take lunch breaks, but I really highly suggest that you do, especially when you're working from home. Set a timer for a lunch break, even if it's just 30 minutes. Um, They can be a really important part of your day. They can increase your productivity um, because you're not forcing yourself to do something that you just can't do at that moment. Mm Okay, I tend to put off tasks for months, and then when I end up doing them, they take a very small amount of work, maybe only 10 to 20 minutes, but there's an embarrassment factor that prevents me from doing it. What are good strategies for overcoming this fear, embarrassment, especially given that there are fewer coping mechanisms available? By that, I mean sometimes I would go to a coffee shop to get such tasks done. Changing context. Yeah, I was just talking about that. That's big for me, too. What do you think? Well, the first thing that came to my mind about this is prevention. Is there a way to actually prevent this task into becoming an embarrassment factor? Um, so what I would first look at is what what are the kinds of tasks? Identify those of those tasks that could be a risk of being this embarrassment factor. Most likely, they deal with other people. Um, right? Because that's kind of what you're embarrassed around or about or whatever. So when you get a risky task, when it comes your way, Mm -hmm. how can you set yourself up for success? And I think it's about um, looking at the strategies that you've learned. Um, We talk about getting started. I uh, write about getting started. I mean, there you probably, the listeners out there probably have 10 books on ADHD and probably one chapter in each book about how to get started. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, look at the strategies that you've learned and put them in practice. It could be an accountability person. Um, It could be putting a deadline on the task, body doubling. Those study halls work tremendous for these kinds of things. Reward yourself during, um, during the task or right after the task. But I think that maybe trying to prevent them and having less of them can be really helpful. Those tasks that you have now that are risky, I would say lean into it and do what you need to do to get them off your list. Um, Maybe it's giving an update to someone uh, and just letting them know where you are with the project. Um, Or if you do need to apologize about something being late, go ahead and do that. Um, But some communication is always better than none. So I would try to uh, just figure out how to get it done and then follow up with that person so that they know that you're working on it. Yeah. I, this is, for me, it's a definition of a clogging task, right? I mean, it's it's that task that oh, definitely. It, it may be as big in my head as it is in real life, but it probably isn't. Uh, it, it feels bigger than it is. When I finally get to it, I'm usually surprised at how easy it was, and, how, and, and then I'm shamed at not having done it sooner. And the added feeling of frustration there that it's likely gotten in the way of other work that I should have been doing. Uh, as well. So it's clogged. I need to find a way to unclog it. And uh, I think what you said about communication is huge. Sometimes you can unclog it just enough by reaching out to the person that is most directly impacted by this task and saying, I'm sorry, I'm not finished with this yet. I know it was already due. I know it. maybe it puts us behind schedule. I'm going to do my best. I just need you to know that this is where I am right now. Um, that may be the, the first and best step for you. For me, I, I have to find momentum, right? I have to find momentum 
where I can start work on it before I give myself a chance to judge myself with it, right? And so for me, that's early in the morning. Set my alarm for earlier than I would normally wake up, roll out of bed, have what I need to do, throw on some sweats, right? Have have what I need to do to start the task so fast that my head isn't completely clear yet from sleep. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but I start the thing before I have a chance to second guess starting the thing. It's smart, really. Well, it is It is an accommodation <laughs> that works for me to trick my own brain and body into working through things that uh, I generally struggle with. Um, you know, I, before breakfast, before coffee, whatever, just start before you wake up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds, mm-hmm. sounds crazy, but for me, it, it's it. worked wonders. So there you go. That's right. In an environment that has no isolated space to work, Hubs and I are both work from home and share an office, which is the sunroom with no door. How can I best close off my surroundings visually and mentally so that I can focus? I've really struggled with this a lot. And yes, the most logical thing would be to move to another room. I do have a laptop. However, we're both coders, developers, and need multiple monitors and use of the office printer, etc. Suggestions? Ugh. I love this one. Well, and it's hard because um, a lot of people's normal, I say that in quotes, Mm -hmm. work environments is this, right? They're in a big, huge room with a bunch of cubicles that are divided with these little half walls and you hear everything and everybody. So um, this is definitely one of those questions that doesn't necessarily need to be like COVID related. Um, But in my idea for her specifically, if there's any way you can vary your work schedule, um, and I don't know if that's possible or not, um, just so that you're not in the same room all the time. So maybe if you could even just take a different lunch break, then, you know, even just having that hour might help. And if you're sitting there saying, what lunch break? Well, one, I would say take one because <laughs> we just talked about breaks. Um, but the other is that even if it's just an hour of you working in a different room, doing something else, I don't know what's possible or what's not, but just even having some time where you're in there by yourself. But you can get creative too. I mean, you could build some kind of wall. I say that and I totally think of like Trump. Um, yeah, <laughs> totally. Build build a wall with boxes or I. one of the things that kind of came to my mind was like hanging a blanket like across the room. Do you know what you get? You get um, a moving blanket. You know those insulated blankets? Right. That are super thick and they put use them in moving trucks. Right. That is a great blanket to get because it is it's thick and insulated and it's totally sound deadening. I know so many like at home engineers over the last eight weeks who have gotten those moving blankets to deaden their office space so that they can actually have quiet rooms for recording. And that is it. That's a huge benefit. So you can put some like hooks in those big moving blankets and hang them from your ceiling between you. And that go, that'll go a long way to deaden sound. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. Uh, I think the mental part is hard um, because, you know, you, you're listening to everything and everything's around you. So I would say headphones, white noise, um, taking some, you know, again, small breaks when it's just too much and you can't focus at all. Yeah. Um, I know you have some notes 
written here about some different headphones. What are well, your thoughts around that? For me, it, it really is all around sound. But, you know, I spend a lot of my time with headphones on anyway. So I, I've right. adapted. I use ATHM50Xs. They're, uh, they're new. They're, they're older model, but I've had them forever. Super comfortable. Closed back headphones. They are over the ear with nice, comfortable cups. If you don't have a nice set of over the ear, not ear earbuds, just, just over the ear, comfortable headset uh it, it's it's worth doing uh it's worth finding something that works for you um i i really agree on the different schedules but i i definitely add ambient soundtracks right explore headspace or trance music edm any trent Reznor and atticus ross soundtrack uh they're all great working tracks for me i i have to have something in in my head to to really be able to find focus and for me if if I am able to conquer the sound, then the visual element usually follows. I, I can't mm. start with the visual stuff because uh, I find the sound too important. Like, I, I can put up all the dividers in the world. If I can still hear somebody typing and I'm in that sensory overload mode... That's all you it's hear. It's all yeah. I hear. I have to start with sound. Uh, so that's... Uh, you know that that's for me. Uh, so uh, the other thing is orient your make sure that you've oriented your desk and your monitors so your back is to your partner. If you can see your partner out of the corner of your eye, then you're not turned far enough away. Um, mm. That's the uh, like you, you got to fashion yourself a cockpit, right? And and that right. that'll help. That that'll help. Uh, so yeah, blankets, good headphones, brakes shifted schedule, all of those things. That's where I'd start. Great. All right. What steps can I take to improve my ability to plan ahead for near-term certainties? Obviously, there's no shame in taking things one day at a time during a pandemic, but in general, I find that if I'm planning for an upcoming event or project, I either A, spend way too much time planning and fall down a rabbit hole, or B, avoid planning altogether. Either way, it usually turns out that whatever prep work I had done ends up not be even being needed to complete the project or to be prepared for the event, and I've usually neglected to account for something that was actually important. While it's fine to just jump in with both feet on a school project or work project, there are other things in life, like starting a family, that you really don't want to just wing as you go. Ironic <laughs> that you'd say you really don't want to wing as you go when that's my central memory of starting a family is just winging it. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, there's never enough preparation to deal with that until you're right in it. Yeah. So, um, we won't even talk about that. Oh, I'm, I'm not done. A, oh, no, I'm not done oh, talking about it. Oh, I'm talking about it again oh, no, later. Oh, no, I'm yeah. going to talk about the yeah. question, but okay. starting a family is like, that's yeah. just crazy. I'm that's crazy it. talk. You can't plan for that. Uh, okay, so I'm actually going to do a little bit of education here. Um, for our listeners, planning an organization or two executive functions that ADHDers are challenged with. So as you notice, a lot of what we've been asked is around planning, right? Because this is a hard thing to do. Um, what this question is describing is exactly what what's happening is it's hard to know the right steps to get to the goal that you're looking to achieve and how much time to spend on each step. So it is definitely a challenge with this executive function. So like any other executive functions, just like working memory, we need to find an accommodation that's going to help you with planning. So if the goal is to prevent this scenario from happening again, where you're planning 
too much or not planning the right stuff. I, I think it really starts with getting support. Um, and ADHDers are verbal processors. So find somebody to go over whatever project or whatever it is that you're working with, even starting a family. Right. <laughs> Talk to somebody about what your thoughts are and brainstorm the end vision. You know, what is it that I'm looking to accomplish? And then work with that person to kind of break down the steps that it's going to take to get there. But also be really clear of the expectations of what you're trying to achieve, or if you're doing this for someone else, what do they want you to do so that you can avoid working on the wrong thing? So I think it's it's uh, processing what's being asked, double checking, you know, what the vision is, figuring out the steps of what has to happen, and really getting clear expectation of what expectations of what's expected. And then throughout the project or whatever it is you're working on, keep checking in and reviewing, you know, your plan and are things working the way that you expected them to? I can probably tell you that 90% of the time they won't. You are going to have to change and uh, change course or, or need to adjust things. Um, but that's, that's something I just wanted people to understand is that this planning an organization is an executive function, and that's why it's so hard. And you're not crazy. Um, it's part of ADHD, and and getting that extra support can go a long, long way. I I love all of that, and I would just throw in that I I, I it it pains me to hear anybody say the work that I did in this area of the project was unneeded. Yes. And yes. and I I would encourage you to recondition yourself around that language. Um it it may have been it may have taken you a long way around to get to what you eventually did, but there is such value to to the work in general when you it, it could be that the work you were doing in this area just helped your brain to attune to the project. It it could be that you know, you just you don't won't ever know how that work on this area of the project help you finish this area of the product uh, of the project. Like I, I just feel like um, learn to value the process of learning and contributing and doing the work, and uh, it will pay off. It'll pay off at some point. Um, as for the baby thing, and I'm not done with that. Remember Jurassic <laughs> Park. Remember Ian Malcolm. Life finds a way. Just keep your eyes open and you'll be amazed at what you can learn through osmosis. So more on that in a minute. Uh, next question. Um, when faced with a large, complex, nebulous, ill-defined project, how do you figure out which parts are actually important and which parts are rabbit holes without spending so much time analyzing the situation that your brain gives up and convinces you to ignore the project entirely? Naturally, I get it. Personally, I'm most interested in specifically how to prep my already disorganized life for a baby. Another baby question, Nikki a Kinzer. baby question. Without ending up in endless Pinterest boards of nursery designs and no actually important things taken care of. Uh, now, we've sort of answered some of that question, but I have more. Do you want to talk you about You have more. I noticed yes, that. Yes, add. You, this is what Nikki's note says. Baby <laughs> prep, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> All I have to say is I'm glad there wasn't Pinterest when I was having oh, my kids. Hallelujah. So, yeah. Please, new parents, close Pinterest. It's not going to help you. It will not help you. It is the equivalent in our language of buying or organizing supplies before you've sorted your stuff, right? It, it's 
it's not useful. The, there are experts uh, out there who will tell you literally what to do next right? Attend any and all pre-baby courses that are offered at your hospital. For our first, our nurse manager in the maternity ward was indispensable because whenever she was walking by us in the hospital anywhere, she would tell us, here's the next thing you need to do. Don't think about anything else. Do this next thing. And we would do that thing. And you know what? I have a high school graduate now. It's amazing how, how just doing the next thing and listening to the experts will help you with this. The The other thing I think is uh, strip away any of the trappings of your vision of what new parenthood is. And and just, I, I think you'll be stunned at how little you actually need to bring a new baby into the home, right? Master the simplest things, right? Master those things in plain white rooms because you know who doesn't care about your nursery design? Your baby. They could not care less about what your nursery looks like at all. So I I feel like triage your actions according to two steps. If you can remember these two steps, what does your baby need to thrive? That's food, sleep, and stimulation. And two, what do you need to thrive? Uh, Hint, food, sleep, stimulation, right? If you could do those things, Pinterest will be of no use to you at all. It's just, they're just trappings. Everything else will come in time. Now that I've said all that about baby prep, can you extend that triage to your ADHD brain for any of your other projects that you have to do? I think you probably can. Let let baby prep be a, uh, a, a metaphor. <laughs> Right. For, the three for how you things live your life. you need. It is it, it's true, though. I, well, yeah. it, it truly has, and I think um, you know. I, the next question, if I could just steamroll into the next question, because it's mm-hmm. sort of the same thing. Uh, here's a question: What are some strategies to use when we chronically feel like we we have to put in extra time at work because we've gotten distracted on the job, emotional rabbit holes, getting lost in unnecessary details, daydreaming, etc.? My employer has recently amped up and is internally publishing productivity monitor- monitoring, processing numbers, logging non-quantifiable minutes, phones that record rings, time on call, interaction, even what you say while the caller is holding. Thanks to this show, Nikki's coaching, and to other fellow ADHDers, I'm successfully using some great time monitoring and awareness strategies and apps, uh, time tracking sheets, toggle, stopwatch. I know the quality of the work I do is excellent, but quantity and speed is lacking or not quantifiable. How can I get past feeling that I'm not doing enough? I find myself sneaking in up to an hour a day. It was much more in past salaried positions. I'm heartbroken at this question, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm prone to make some overly zealous judgment calls at the employer. Uh, This is pretty old-fashioned sort of motivational monitoring techniques. I thought so, too. I mean, it's pretty extreme. It is extreme. Um, But one thing that I do want to really emphasize is not so much what the employer is expecting. What she's saying is so true with so many of my clients is that I don't feel like I'm doing what I need to do during the day. So I need to bring home work. I need to do it in the evening. I need to do it on the weekends just to make up for what I didn't get done. So there's kind of two things here that I kind of want to address, but I'm curious, Pete, I, I actually left my notes empty because this is, this is really tough. And I know that a lot of people struggle with it. Um, so I was curious to, to get your viewpoint. 
on it. Yeah, well, I, you know, apart from it being frustrating, I, I also have have obviously felt that way. And I'm, I'm always doing this sort of catch up when I'm in heavy duty project mode. But daily, just like the daily work activity, um, I I zeroed in on on sort of are you are you overdoing it with your expectation of quality, right? If you know you're you're doing great work, your work may be excellent, but if that's coming at the expense of what your employer actually wants, which is let's say speed, then you're the one that's out of balance here, right? The muscle to build is one that allows you to simplify what you do to get the job done and open the door to doing more work. And and I just, I, I abhor thinking in terms of any guidance that asks if you're doing too good of a job, right? <laughs> like you're yeah, just, right. you're putting too much time and attention, but that's a reality for us. And that attention to quality can lead to more and deeper rabbit holes and more often than not, not really any better work. So, um, you know, I I always go back to Henry David Thoreau, right? Our life is frittered away by detail. Simplify, simplify, right? Go read Walden. Um, So you you hear that trope on TV where they're interviewing, they're in an interview situation. You say, what is your greatest fault? And uh, the interviewee thinks or usually goes and talks to their wacky roommates and then comes back and says, my greatest fault is I care too much. Well, that's so dumb. It's so dumb. But it could also be true for us, right? It could also be a sign that this job is not a good fit for you. That if you're getting stuck in too many unnecessary details and rabbit holes, that could legit be a sign that you're doing the job you want to be doing and not the job you were hired to do. And that, I think, is a gap that you have to address. Uh, Because I know a lot of people living with ADHD who don't look at what exactly this question is as a constraint because they love what they do, right? They love the job that they are paired with doing. That's the gap to close. And I I think it, it has, it could be all but impossible to do it in a situation where you're you're just not tuned for the work. That's a good point. The other thing that I would say or add, uh, something that I talk to to my clients about with this is that I have to ask, I mean, are you on some kind of performance plan? Um, have you been talked to about your work? Um, what What's making you think that you have to do this overtime? I would say probably eight out of 10 times, Pete, they have not been talked to. No one is even addressing any of it. It's all what they think isn't working or their expectations aren't being met. And um, so I think it's important to to step back and, and see, is that what's happening? Are you okay with closing at, you know, shop at five o'clock? Is anybody going to say something to you that you didn't get that extra hour or two in? Like, are they even going to notice? And is it worth the the stress and the guilt and the shame and everything that comes with it, right? I mean, I think it's it's also just really taking a step back and looking at it from the outside and what what's really going on. You will burn out if you continue to work 10, 12 hours a day, weekends, whatever it is you're going to do. Unfortunately, I've seen clients who burn out and then they shut down and they're not able to do anything. And that's much worse, you know, for your health. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of components to this, I think, yeah. to look at. Well, and I, I also think that if you find something, because you, you can burn out anywhere. Like, we've had a whole show on right. burning out, and that, that doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could burn out at it. I, I could maybe burn out from eating nachos. I've never gotten there, but I could. I, I can see a, a time when I could. I, I do think that it is easier to take breaks, to close up at the end of the day when you're doing a job you love because you're excited to come yes, back to it the yeah. next day. It's easier to set better, smarter boundaries around the the work that you love because you're probably more efficient at it. You're probably coming at it more creatively. That doesn't mean you don't have to be recharged. It doesn't mean you don't have to take care of yourself and get good sleep and eat well. But let me ask you this. If you know that you're going to take longer than maybe what the, the supervisor expects you to, what are your thoughts about letting them know, yes, this takes longer for me, but you're also going to get a great product or you're going to get the results that you want. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is that conversation would be very hard to have with a supervisor who has set up a metric for a certain pace. Well, especially with this, this question like this situation. Is, yeah. But what if let's let's not take that because that's definitely to the extreme. Yes. But what if you haven't um, I, I know this is like a what if, but I'm just, I right. know we're too fixing many the people hashtag that, fix the world here with Nikki. Yeah. And there, right. There's just too many people that are in this situation yeah. that they're not under the metrics like this is, um, maybe they're not even under the metrics, like a lawyer where they have to account billable. for every minute right. that they, that they do. Um, but I'm just curious your thoughts of opening that up. Like you personally think that maybe you're not doing as fast as work as as fast of work as other people in the office mm -hmm. and so you're feeling behind would it be a, a smart thing to say to the supervisor hey i know that i'm not as fast as so and so or so and so but it you know i am still producing this good work i still care very much about what i do or maybe you don't even need to have that conversation I think if you're having that brought up. yeah i mean if you're having that conversation then you also have to be open to them saying you know what you are doing great work and in any other role that might be a, a a thing to really celebrate but the challenge we have here is we have certain assumptions that we start with and yeah, you're not meeting yeah. those assumptions you have to be open to hearing that uh because that's that's a condition of successful employment of getting taught. So to. it's almost like don't even you don't even need. I'm thinking out loud as we're talking sure. about this, but uh, not even bringing it up unless it's brought up to you of you are working too slow or this isn't. Do, you're not yeah, meeting the expectations. You do the yeah. job to the best of your ability, to the best of your understanding. Right. If right, you have questions, right. you talk to your supervisor about that. If they have questions, they will talk to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. See, it's so nice that we can talk these things through. <laughs> Hashtag fix the world with Nikki and Pete. Uh, That's right. This is... Uh, Deep conversations. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, this has been... Uh, this has been a thorough set of questions. That was the last big question. On yes. That was the dooziest of the doozies. Yes. Um hope that was helpful to somebody out there. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate you all hanging out with us. Do we have any notes for po folks about what's what comes next? Well, let's see. Do let's you know do a what comes pause. next? <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. I think that we are going to be working on maybe some money podcasts, right? Okay. 
Well, you're part of this decision. I was, and then I'm looking at the schedule, and all of a sudden there are three blanks on there. But you're right. I we know, did. Right? We set up. We have. We are doing a whole series of ADHD and money, and uh, yeah. we'll, uh, that is. There's still a little, some vagary around what that's going to look like. But again, you know, what's life if it isn't a giant wall of fog in our future? Uh, exactly. Just know that there's going to be some money. We're talking about money. Talking about money. (sighs) Good stuff. Well, thank you, everybody, (laughs) for downloading and listening to this very show, this extra long double feature uh, of Q&A with Nikki and Pete. We sure appreciate you hanging out with us. We deeply appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.